Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. Today on the show, we've got Christina Childress, a photographer here in Dallas, Fort Worth area. Uh, I was a a recommendation from a friend of mine that I bring her on, and uh, I'm excited to have her. I feel like that we've run in similar circles for a long time, but have never actually met until recently. And so this, if nothing else, this podcast has been a fun way to kind of get to know more people in the Dallas area. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to be here. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, my husband just did one and I was really jealous. And then I got your email. So I was like, all right. Well, here we go. Got Vindication. <laughs> we'll see which one is uh, better. Yeah, we're going to go head to head. Okay. Okay. We'll have to, it's, to, marriage is always a competition. <laughs> a healthy competition, hopefully, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as long I as I win. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners? Let's, okay. Um, yeah. My name is Christina. Uh, I have lived in Oak Cliff for the last five and a half years. I've got the husband uh, who is a creative director at a branding firm. We met in college in graphic design club because we we're really cool. Um, we have three kids that came as a little bit of a surprise. They all came at the same time, uh, after triplets. Yes, we have triplets. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, that actually has a lot to do with kind of the trajectory of my career and making adjustments after that little surprise. Um, yeah. So now I've been doing, uh, family photography, weddings, headshots, kind of lifestyle, commercial photography for the past seven years. We're right about seven. Yeah. How old are your kids? They're eight and a half. Okay. So okay. yeah, I, um, I started in graphic design and then surprise three kids at once and stayed home with them for a little while and then was kind of trying to figure out what, it, what to do next. Um, the full-time working for someone else thing didn't seem feasible anymore. So then it kind of became like, how do I figure out how to be, you know, home with them as much as I can, but also make some money and not go to, you know, something like hourly that was going to, you know, just not really help financially that much. Uh, I want a little bit more control over it. And so I had started taking pictures, um, you know, little with a little more intention uh, once they were born. I'd always, you know, your designer, like you take pictures, you art direct photo shoots, like that's part of the deal. But once they were born, then I wanted to kind of know what I was doing behind the camera a little bit more. So started kind of with them at home and then met a couple of people who were doing family photography and making pretty good money. And I was like looking at their photos and looking at my photos and I was like, oh, I could totally charge money for this. (laughs) So that's kind of how that started. And then Thankfully, just had really good um, people who were really like open with me about the way they ran their business and how that part actually worked. And so just kind of like established a, a few things to to make it a little more professional and like hit the ground running. So it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like cool. it, it's added up. Yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden. it's amazing how fast the years can go by. Mm -hmm. It's like in the, I feel like one in the middle of the years kind of go by slow, especially in the harder times. Like, Oh my gosh. But then you look back, you're like, wow, it's been five years or seven, eight years already. What? I think it was a couple of years ago where it hit me that like, Oh, I actually know what I'm doing. 
Like I'm not just starting out and figuring this out as I go anymore. Like mm-hmm. I've got, I see established patterns after, you know, several years and I like know how to hit my goals and I have confidence in what I'm doing so that I can, you know, tell my clients what to expect and all that instead of just being like, I hope you like it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's weird how that happens all of a sudden. You're uh-huh. like, oh, I am a grown up. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of, uh, it's a quote I heard somewhere recently. I think my sister mentioned it to me or something. I don't remember where she got it from, but basically it was something along the lines of most people underestimate what they can accomplish in one or no, they most, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can do in five years. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it plays out very true when yeah. it comes to freelance stuff, at least in my experience. Yeah. Well, and I think like my sense of time just, I'm so curious how other people experience time just because, you know, like with, especially with family photography and weddings, you know, you're booked with weddings, you're booked in advance sometimes a year, um, definitely, you know, like six months. And so you kind of, I think like my brain just sort of thinks of the calendar year and like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get to there. I gotta make sure that I'm ready for this. And you're just kind of thinking like in the, this I don't know, like immediate future, like you're in that it like comes and it's really busy. And then you're just kind of like making through each day. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh, it's been a couple of years and look at all of the stuff that I did. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess you probably because you are working so far, like in advance. Yeah. It's by the time it gets there, most of the planning and stuff and all the work for it has probably been done. Not all the work, but a lot of the right. work that goes into a preparation lot of the and stuff. Work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that point, it's just like, okay, it's just time to do it now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, so you mentioned that you were doing graphic design before mm-hmm. that. What's kind of your background? Like, how did you get into yeah. that? And- so I actually, I went to a high school that had an ad design class. Um, so I took it as an elective my senior year, just cause it was like the coolest room in the school. All the walls were painted black and there were like band posters on the walls and everything. And so it just seemed like a fun thing to go do. And it was like teaching Photoshop and, you know, basics of Adobe programs at that time. Uh, we were learning, you know, kind of like, this is how you like work with a client and this is like what it means to come up with a concept and execute it and stuff. And so, like, once I got in there, it was this just sort of instant, like, this is amazing. You can make stuff on the computer. Like, I was, like, the kid in high school who, like, made my own T-shirts. I would, like, (laughs) iron on, like, pictures for because, like, none of the bands I liked were particularly popular. So I would make my own shirts of those for the bands, bands that the, I liked. Yeah, great. I might have had a Billy Corgan t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I was doing that on my own and then saw this and it just felt like, oh, like you can actually do that as a job. Like, that's amazing. So I ended up um, finding a program at TCU. They had a graphic design major and I had already wanted to go there. So I was like, oh, great. Like, it's all meant to be. It's amazing. So I went and did that. I was super focused on it, like overachiever, like trying to get a job like immediately. And so I was freelancing in college and just like hungry for it, like only did graphic design. And my husband, I met him my freshman year. Um, the two of us were both just like design, 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 like all the time. So we would just like hang out and 
do our work <laughs> for school and be super nerds. Um, it was great. Um, so yeah, I was just super focused on that. Got a job um, out of school. We were really involved in the DSVC. Yep. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever uh, go to any of those meetings. So I did a video stuff this year for oh, some of their nice. stuff. Been to a couple of their, uh, I guess this year and last year. Last year is the first year I got to go, and it's okay. so cool. Yeah. So much incredible work. I yeah. just yeah, the Dallas blown. design community is, I think, like such a like hidden gem. Yep. For I mean, people know about it if you're in it, but I don't think that unless you're in that community, like you don't realize like how many talented people Mm -hmm. are here in the city. Um, But yeah, so we got really involved in that in college. Um, I ended up working at a tractor beam right after school uh, for a little bit and met a bunch of really great people there. And then um, transitioned from there to switch, which is where I worked until our kids were born. My husband ended up working there with me about six months after, and he's still there. So he's been there for like 11 years now. Um, so that's where we were. We found out that we were expecting triplets and just uh, crazy, crazy day. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny because we worked together. So everyone, you know, like knew that I was pregnant. Like that wasn't a surprise. We didn't find out till I was 18 weeks along that there were three. So we had like this day where we went to my appointment to find out if we were having like boys or girls, or whatever. And so everyone at the office was all excited, like, all right, when you get back, tell us, you know, what you're going to have. And so we go to the appointment and like they do the sonogram and then they're like, um, it's not twins, it's triplets. And we're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what do we do? Like, my first thought was, like, we have a two-door car. Like, how are we going to, we have to buy a new car. I have to, when am I going to go back to work? Like, what's going to happen? And so, like, instantly it was just this, like, your entire life is completely different Mm -hmm. now. Like, your life changes when you have a baby. Your life changes when you have two babies. But three babies, it's just, like, beyond what you can really prepare for. Like, you don't know what to expect. You don't have anyone to look to, to, like, oh, this is how they did it. This, you know, like none of our friends had kids at that time. We were really young um, and had gotten married like right after college. We had only been working for a couple of years. And so it was just absolutely terrifying. Um, and then there's like health risks and all that stuff for mm-hmm. the kids. So it's like all that. So it was, <laughs> we went back to our office and told everyone and they were just like speechless. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, we just... That's not what we were expecting yeah, at all. Yeah, um, it was, And one of the guys who's still there, he had twins. And at the time, they were like a year old or something. And so he was in the thick of like oh, yeah. baby twins. And he was just like, the look on his face, he was like <laughs> so scared for us. Because <laughs> he had his own. He's like, oh my god. Yeah, he's like, you guys don't even know how scared you should be yet. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so like, yeah, I'm going to anyway. have nightmares for you. Right. Totally. Yeah. So it was a little crazy, but man, like, and this is a huge testament to just, I think like the creative community and like, I don't know any other industry that takes care of people the way that creative people do. Um, but they were just hugely supportive of us. Like they, we told them, we were like, I don't know if I can come back. I don't know when you know, to work. Like I have no idea. Cause sending three kids to daycare is like 40 grand. A yeah, year. yeah. Like it's, it's insane. So they were just really awesome. Like, Hey, like you have a job here if you want it. They ended up giving 
I was due for a raise that year and they ended up giving it to my husband so that we would at least be getting like a little bit more money. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. Just like. It's really encouraging to hear that kind of stuff. So generous and just like truly treating us like family. And so anyway, um, that was, you know, hugely helpful. But I, then I was home and I just wasn't sure, you know, like my mind wasn't on work at that point. It was very much just like, you gotta like get these kids into the world and make sure they survive and, you know, do all that stuff. So that was the focus for a long time. And then I started, yeah, taking pictures of them, realizing that I could, you know, I could get good at it. Like I kind of knew enough of myself that if I just like practiced it enough and learned, then I would be able to make quality enough work that I could ask other people to pay me mm -hmm. for it. Um, so that's kind of how I like went from design to photography and really like the, like why I kind of, I guess, made that change instead of just trying to freelance design. I did freelance design for a little while and it is just so hard to do when you're staying at home all day with kids. It's just like your brain is just kind of mush after taking care of kids all day. And by the time I would have a chance to like sit down and work like after we'd put them in bed for the night or something I couldn't think like it was and I was just so tired so I realized like I can't conceptualize I can't like do justice for my clients with this like it's just not gonna work and so with photography the nice thing was like you're creating like when you're out and you can do it in like an hour at a time or a couple hours at a time and then the editing process for me at least was like much more just like color just comes naturally to me. And so like I could just do it without thinking that hard and just kind of like get that stuff done after kids were in bed and, and still like, you know, get to bed and not feel like I'd lost my mind. Right. Completely. You're still able so, to, it's not quite so creative in a sense of like trying to derive something from nothing or like right. accumulate yeah, like ideas and, and the idea part them. was like when I was out shooting and so then the work that I had to do like at home on my computer was less creative more just kind of like, like reining it in yeah it would be almost like as if you'd already done the designs right and you're just like making some tweaks like oh yeah. move this here tighten yeah, that exactly. up there yeah okay. yeah so like that just kind of became clear in my mind that like oh this is gonna be much more manageable because at that point like I still had several years with the kids being home with me before they had a school day or anything like that and so I was shooting once I really kind of got going with it like I was shooting one day a week when you know my mom could come and babysit or on the weekend when my husband was home or in the evenings when he was home um, and then doing all the editing and everything else like at night after they went to bed um, so it was just, you know, like full-time mom, full-time, <laughs> you know, freelance, Sheesh. like just doing as much as you can, you know, each day. And it thankfully like kind of built like the first year, you know, it's not super busy. So schedule wise, like it was definitely like much more time in the, the kid column than in the work column. And then like the next year, you know, build up clients and your network and so you got more work and so it was like a little bit more time for that but they were older so they were like requiring a little bit less of my energy and then kind of by the time they hit kindergarten it was really like oh I need you guys to be in school all day because I have so much work to do like I can't do it after you go to bed anymore mm -hmm. and get it done like 
I need to to do this all day long to stay on top of things. So the last few, they're in third grade this year. So we've had school for three and a half years, four years. Yeah. Something like that. So that's been hugely helpful to feel like I can actually like have a work day. And then when I pick them up from school, help with homework and do dinner and school activities and all that stuff. At that point, you're able to kind of like switch out of work brain. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time it's, there's enough, you know, time where I can be like, oh, hey, like I can turn, turn off work for a few hours, take care of them, do what we need to do. And then if I need to do some more work after they're in bed, I can do that. But we're at a point now where my schedule is like pretty um, balanced enough that I'm not having to work as much at night, which is really nice. Yeah. Especially because I'd imagine that I'd imagine being like full-time mom, the three kids and full-time doing the photography stuff probably makes it a bit more difficult to be able to like have that like solid relationship with your husband probably. Right. Yeah. We definitely like are very intentional about making sure that we have nights where like no one's working. Cause of course, you know, he's a designer, like he's always got stuff going on outside of work, you know, like you can't, I feel like you can't quite turn that off when you're love what you do, you know, like you just always got stuff you want to be doing. So both of us, like, we'll, our kind of, like, nightly routine when we are, like, in really busy seasons, we'll, like, be in the same room and, like, pick a show to put on or something that can kind of be in the background and, you know, just each be, like, doing our stuff. And it's like, okay, 10 o'clock, like, let's put it away and, like, hang out together on the couch for a little bit before we go to bed. Like, we'll do that a couple nights a week and then make sure that we have nights where we're not on the computer and where we're getting to just, like be regular people and enjoy our time together. Uh, you mentioned that whenever you first started doing the photography stuff and realized and like, Oh, I could make money from this. And you mm-hmm. said you had other people you knew that were already doing mm-hmm. photography professionally. Yeah. And you mentioned that you started kind of like asking them questions. Yeah. What, when you were in that, that place in that, in that headspace, what, kind of like what was going through your head? What kind of questions were you asking? What kind of answers were you getting? And like, what were you, what was your head doing with those yeah, things yeah. to put I'm them into practice? really glad you asked that because I think that one of the things I feel like I am really good at is kind of strategizing and planning um, when it comes to what I want to earn um, and making that happen and doing it in a way that gives me like some life balance so that I'm not just like spinning my wheels all the time and, and working more than I really need to be. So my, my thoughts at that time were very much like, I have such a limited amount of time to be away from my kids. I need to make the most of it. Like how much money do we need to make? Cause at that time, like we were on one income And so anything that I did was just like helping to like give us some buffer and, you know, pay our bills and, you know, get (laughs) three babies just cost so much money. Um, So I'm sure that my, I mean, this was like 2012. So dig back in my memories there. Um, I'm sure that a lot of my questions were like, what's fair to charge? What are people willing to pay? what do you include for how much you charge, you know, when it comes to like family sessions. Um, At that time, there were still 
a lot of people that were kind of doing the like, you get this number of prints and this many digital photos and you can, you know, like there were a lot more like package options and ways that people are trying to upsell things versus like you pay this fee and you get all your photos. Um, and so understanding, like, I think I, from design world, like knew that there's this sort of like level of quality that I wanted to be at. Like, I didn't want to be a bottom of the barrel. Here's 50 bucks, you know, and I'll take pictures for an hour and give you all your files. Like, I knew that I didn't want to be in that camp. Um, I wanted to be at a higher end uh, market. And so the people that I were talking to were people who were charging more and who were really good at presenting themselves in this sort of, you know, like, you, how to word that, um, people that valued photography and cared a lot about it and were willing to put money to it because it was really important to them versus just like, oh, I need a, anybody can take a picture of my family staring at the camera for my Christmas card kind of a mentality, you know? Right. Um, so I kind of started there as with this vision of like, I want to be a really high quality photographer that people come to like for a particular experience and like high level of work versus just like anybody taking family photos. Um, so I was getting a lot of really good information about like, you know, if you want to make this much per year, like consider how much is taken out in taxes and consider like how many sessions you can actually book in a month and then like how much you need to charge for each of them if you want to end up at this dollar amount kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was all just super, super helpful and helped me, I think, to start out not at like too low of a price, which I think is what a lot of family photographers end up doing. Like they're scared to ask people for money for their work. Um, they feel like, oh, like, no, like, I mean, I love doing it. I want everyone to have, family. I've heard so many people say this, like, <laughs> I just really care about people having beautiful family photos. And so I just, I don't want to charge too much because everybody should have this of their family. And so they are like really talented and then just not charging enough. And then they're like killing themselves because they're, you know, shooting so much to make like, you know, whatever their goal is. And it's like, dude, you could cut that in half and you know, double your prices and then you would like have a life and not be super stressed out with how much you're shooting yeah, all the time. Still make the same amount of money. Exactly. So that kind of thankfully like is where I sort of started my business. And then it took, I mean, I definitely still had all those insecurities. Like, are people going to pay me this much? I don't know. And then any, anytime someone said that it was too much, then it like totally makes you question. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. um, are you still like that now? At all, a little bit. I think because now like my prices are kind of at the highest or like, I don't know. It's just like, this is pretty expensive. I probably wouldn't spend the money on myself, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I think that's something else I've learned too, is like, if you can afford yourself, then you're not charging enough because like you are, you should be catering to people who make more money than you, um, who can pay you a higher amount so that you can make your living. Um, cause when you consider all of your expenses and your taxes and, you know, all of that stuff, like if you're, if you're charging what you could afford, like you're probably not making enough money to 
pay your own expenses. It's interesting. I haven't thought about that way, but it, but it makes sense. Yeah. So I've kind of always looked. I definitely like, and I especially with family photos, I do have tiers of payment because I have clients that started with me at one rate, like back in 2012 and have worked with me every single year and out of like respect for those relationships and just care for those people. I know that there, there are enough clients that like where I'm priced now, like they just wouldn't be able to do it. And I completely respect that and don't ever want to make anyone feel bad for not being able to, you know, pay like the rate that I'm set at now. And so every year I offer mini sessions, um, at a lower rate, that's a little more affordable. So there's a limited number of those. They're only on certain dates. Like there's some restrictions around right. it, which is, I think, essential for, as you know, people that are doing family photos, especially, um, to, to limit the availability of those. Otherwise, like People are always going to book that uh, yeah, instead it's of otherwise. A, what's the point in right, having the other? Like, yeah, exactly. So you know, there's there's a limited number of those I offer only in the fall because that's just like the crazy busy season for family photos. Um, like September, October, November, I book more and make more than I do the entire rest of the year. So it's a little nuts, um, <laughs> but it's very profitable. So you kind of you kind of got to do it. Um, but yeah, so if the mini sessions are only available then, and then I have longer sessions and, um, you know, a couple different packages kind of at an upper end price that are available all year. But then I also book those in the fall too. Like once the mini sessions run out, as I get new inquiries, then it's like, okay, you can choose from these. Um, and most of the time, you know, those book up just fine too. It's not like, people who are like, oh, you don't have any many sessions left. I guess I just like can't work with you. Like most of the time, like it, it's still it there. Like, okay, yeah. okay, well I missed out, but all right, cool. Still yeah. do it. It's cool. Okay. Uh, I guess kind of going back to when you were first starting out, was there any other like stuff that you like want to reflect on from that time? Kind of. Um, I mean, I feel like just being vulnerable enough to, ask people questions and talk to people who you admire, who like you see are doing things well. And, you know, I, I think that there's a way to, um, learn from others without like leeching off of them. You know, I think it's kind of a fine line of like, you don't want to go to somebody who's like doing really well and be like, tell me all this hard work that you did and, you know, figured out. And like, I just want to skip over that and like not have to figure stuff out myself. But I think that you can like, be helpful to other people and, you know, have something to offer, you know, if you're wanting to go and like assist with somebody or, you know, just, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of like other ways that you would offer anything besides like assisting, but, you know, if you like are curious and, and I think approach someone genuinely, um, to talk about like how the business works and just ask questions. Like I just found that people were really helpful and happy to, to talk and, you know, just share what they've learned. And like, I'm totally that way. Like if people ask me any questions about business, then I, I'll tell them like exactly what I charge and what I include and all that. And be like, this is how I get to this. Um, you know, I think 
a lot of people aren't going to actually end up running with that information. Um, they might want to know it and then just kind of feel like, oh, I don't know if I can do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just sort of in mind, like, I am happy to share, like, what I know and you can do with it what you will. Um, so I feel like I just, I wasn't shy about asking questions. Did you ever, like, with the people, when you were asking people questions, was mm-hmm. it people that you knew all the time or were you, like, cold reaching out to photographers, I, different people I had a couple know? of people that I knew, like, I met them because they were photographers, but then, like, we kind of became friends and then um I was doing some design work still at that time and so it would be like I would help with some design and then we'd be talking about photography and I would be like you know I really am interested in taking more pictures and that kind of becoming a business and you know I'm not sure how to go about pricing stuff or what I should include or you know that kind of thing and so then like they would you know we'd just have a conversation I think I'm trying to remember, honestly, it's been so long. Yeah. That's hard um, to remember some of yeah. that stuff. It's okay. I feel like I did have a couple of like, Hey, I don't really know you, but I really like your work. And I'm curious, you know, it definitely wasn't like people who are, you know, like known in the industry who live in another state. And I'm like, Hey, can you like give me advice? Like it was definitely local people who I could like have at least a little yeah, bit of some of like lunch or- and yeah, like talk and stuff. Uh, whenever you mentioned that before, like way before that, whenever you were getting out of high school and going into college Mm -hmm. that you were doing some freelance work at Mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. What, what's the kind of the, the journey or story from the like high school class where you started taking an interest in learning some of that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, what's the journey between and story between that and being in college and that like, where did the idea come from to like, oh, I can make money doing this? And then oh. how did you actually start like putting it into practice and doing think, it? Um, a lot of naivete when I was <laughs> that age of just like walking into places and being like, hey, so I do graphic design and I saw that, you know, you have this sign in your, in your shop and I think I could do a really cool one. Would you let me do it? You know, like I would literally like we... Um, I grew up close to Denton and so like go on the square and this was like before Denton was revitalized and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like there was not a lot there. Um, there were a few vintage stores and like not just not very much. And so I would just like walk into stores and like talk to people and just be probably so obnoxious as like this 19 year old, like going to be like, Hey, can I like redesign your stuff? And I wasn't asking for money at that time. And so people, I think were like, again, this goes back to like, I think if, if people see that someone is like really hungry for something and they're like willing to work and want to learn, like generally people are pretty nice and, and will give you a chance at doing something. Um, so there were like a couple of stores where, you know, people were just like, Oh, you want to design us posters for free? All right, sure. Go ahead. Um, and like, I saw her do that kind of stuff. I ended up getting an internship at, uh, it was called art prostitute. Then it's an art gallery in Denton. It's now called the public trust. They, they were in deep Elm for a while and then they moved there into design district now. Um, but like, I mean, they were really cool, like bringing in amazing artists from all over the world, like doing, and they were doing this like art publication every year. And I just thought it was amazing. And so like walked in there, I was like, do you guys need an intern? And they're like, um, we don't have any money. I was like, that's okay. And they're like, you want to pack boxes? Sure. 
So did that for a summer and ended up like getting to design some spreads in their magazine. Cause again, like, I think they were like, Oh, like you took initiative. You like are hungry for this. You're willing to do whatever without asking for much in return other than just like the experience and being here. And so like at that age, at that time, like, I think that was a good decision. Would I recommend someone who's, you know, like 25 with a college degree to go and like work for free for a summer? No, but I didn't have a degree. I was like a dumb kid who didn't have any experience. And they were like, letting me like come and be around all of these really cool artists and make connections with people and like build up my own network. And that like having the network, like that goes back to the SVC stuff too. Like we were just around all of these people who had hiring potential for when we were done with school. And so like just kind of being in those spaces and, and being visible and meeting people, I think was huge. Uh, so then from there, you, uh, I mean, were you able to start actually just like converting some of those people to paid clients and the yeah. stores and shops you were going into? Yeah. Or? So I don't know if any of those shops ever ended up being Or was paid, that just part of like, yeah, that was where it started? I think like it just kind of started. And, and then I had a portfolio of stuff where I could be like, this is a real place. This isn't just a student assignment mm-hmm. and something I did like, and I could show, you know, so like probably one of the first, I had like little jobs that paid here and there. Do you remember Spoon Records? Yeah. Or like the concerts that you used to. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're still so, around, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is how old S-P-U-N-E. I am. S P U N E. Yeah. So I designed, when they got started, I think I would design posters for them. And I don't think I ever even met the guy in person. And I cannot remember the connection. Like this was probably 2004 or five. And I remember like designing stuff in my dorm room and those posters going around. I think he paid me a little bit. Um, I ended up a friend of a friend opened the spiral diner Oak cliff location. And we were like at dinner one night and he was mentioning his friend was opening cause you know, the original ones in Fort worth and which is where TCU is. And so there, you know, people knew people and it was this, the girl who opened the one here in Oak cliff had gone to TCU. So like through that and I just, you know, I was like a junior in college, I think. And I was just like, Oh, well, I'm a graphic designer. Like you should connect me with her to, to talk to them about design. Cause I don't really like their logo that much. I think it could be better. And so we ended up like meeting and I designed their, like they still use like my menus and their logo. Like that's all what I designed in college. And they paid me for, yeah, they paid me for everything. I don't remember how much it was. I did their like menu updates for a few years and then that got really tiresome. And so like sent them the files, like you guys do this. Yeah. Now. Y'all can do this. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, Hang on, there's a question there that I had. What was it? Oh, so you mentioned that you like you said I don't like their design. Their you know I don't like your logo. I want to I want to redo a this. More tactful, right? But that's kind of I mean more <laughs> more or less like what. Uh, so so whenever you sit down and you're able to get some FaceTime with whoever these decision makers are, what? is a more like realistic conversation mm. that you would have to them or how would you have, how did you like propose this to them? So at that time it was probably a lot more clumsy than, I feel like I can be a lot more direct now with people. Like we just had a conversation, my husband and I did with uh, potential clients that we might do a collaboration with and like their current logo we don't like. And we, they are kind of speaking with us as consultants and they're like, you know, 
what do you think? Like, tell us, what do you think about this logo? And it was, you know, like a family member had designed it kind of a thing. And so we were sort of like, well, we think it could be better. Um, and they're like, do you think we need to change it completely? And like, if you're going to ask me directly, then yes, I do. I think it would help you to connect with your audience better if you took a new approach with this, because the current one just doesn't speak to what you're trying to accomplish here. Um, probably back when I was having the spiral diner conversation, they were opening the new location. So it was sort of a good time to rebrand. Um, so it was sort of like looking at this as an opportunity and sort of talking to people about like, so, you know, like, since you are going to have to print new menus and you are going to have to get a new sign, all this, this is a good time to think about, you know, making some changes here and thinking about, again, I think like with design in particular, it all goes into talking about your target market. So you take away like this sort of personal, like attachment that the owner might have to their logo and make it less about them and, and whoever friend of theirs made it and more to like, all right, so what are your goals for for people to think when they see your brand out in the world? Like, what kind of reaction do you want people to have? What what do you want them to associate with your brand? Okay, then I have this list that you've told me. Dun, 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 dun. Is your current logo meeting that? Because this is, this is sort of what it's telling me. And it might, you know, whatever that is. So there's this disconnect between like what you have existing and what you're hoping people connect with. And so then I think once you kind of outline it for people in that way, then they can start to see like, oh, I might need to change this. Like this might not be working for me as best it can. Um, it's tricky though. I mean, sometimes people just really want their bad logo and, you know, I mean, my husband deals with that still more than I do, you know, and that's the other nice thing about photography compared to design for me is that it's a little bit more just like, here's your photos. And there's not a lot of back and forth. Well, I don't like the way. Yeah, ma'am. I'm sorry. You're right. the one that got your hair cut that way. Yeah. Me. Yeah. There's a few things that, that I can fix like under eye bags and, you know, things like that, that I get requests for. But most of the time it's just like, this is what it is. It's all done. We're not going to go back and redo that wedding, yeah, are we? So you here know. you go. <laughs> uh, do you remember with the spiral stuff, whenever you did that rebrand, would you call it a rebrand? Uh, yeah, it was like a refresh. Refresher yeah, kind of yeah. back then. Uh, you said that was in like 05, 06, something like that? It would have been, that one would have been whenever they opened the, the one in Oak Cliff. So I can't remember. It might have opened like 07, 08. Okay. It's been a little so over we're 10 looking years. At, oh yeah. So just over 10 years and they're still using your designs. Yeah. What, do you remember what you charged them for all the oh, work you did? No idea. I'm like way less than what I would charge now for sure. But I didn't have that much experience then. Like, I mean, so. you think it would have been like. $300 or 800 or like 5,000 or 20,000. Definitely 000. less than 5,000. I would say, cause it was one of those projects where like you do one thing that takes a few months and then a couple months later they come back and need something else. And that has its own price and that, you know, so I, it could have added up over time to a couple grand maybe. Okay. Okay. No idea. Well, it's, it's interesting to, look at situations like that and how, cause I could, I could see very easily how in that moment, maybe you as a designer would be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to ask for this much right. money for this project. Yeah. And they're like, 
is this chick crazy? We're not going to pay her this much for a logo. Right. Or a menu design. Mm-hmm. But here we are 10, 12 years yeah, later and they're still, still using working. it. Yeah. And it's like, well, did the business owner have that foresight that like, hey, this isn't like I'm paying for a logo now. I'm paying right. for my identity for the next I 20 think, years. Yeah. And I think that's something where, you know, photographers, commercial photographers have their usage fees, mm-hmm. um, which kind of account for some of that a little bit. Um, I think with design, it's just one of those things that like, you know, people have the budget they have and you need to work and you got to pay your bills. And so there, you know, and I, and I think you have to understand the scale of the business you're working with too, like, and make those decisions. And I think any freelancer, whatever you're doing, like you're constantly making decisions. Is this job worth my time for the money that they're paying me? Is it worth it on a financial level, but is it also worth it on a, like, I, I'm going to feel really good about having made this project like I Mm -hmm. so to take it back to photography like I just recently shot a wedding that like their budget was way under what I normally charge but it was in New Orleans which is a city I love and they were gonna be like they were just really sweet people like I knew I was gonna enjoy my time with them it was gonna be like a really small um group like I think they had like 20 people or less at their wedding um, which is kind of my favorite sort of weddings. Yeah, very intimate, you know, very intimate. Small, chill, kind yeah. of usually. Yeah, and um, and they really like as far as like from a creative standpoint, they're the guy is actually a designer, and so he was super like we just vibed on the kind of things we like and the style, and was like willing to just let me play and like try stuff that I know not all of my clients are comfortable with or want, and so it was worth it to me to get to go have that experience and then to be able to make work that I was really excited about, even though they had a smaller budget. And that was just a decision I made. I don't like advertise, Hey, if you're really cool, I'll charge you less money, you know, but it was a a question of like, they were not going to be able to hire me at all or, and hire somebody else who was going to take like not great photos um, for the amount of money they had, or like, I could do it and have a good time and make that connection. And so like I made the choice to do that. Um, So I think, you know, with freelance design, with photography, with any of that, like I think that you always have to like ask yourself about like what kind of people you want to work with, what kind Mm -hmm. of work you want to be doing and not just let Mm -hmm. the dollars dictate. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, Reminds me of something a friend of mine was talking about a few years ago where basically he was saying that how, I'm trying to remember exactly how he was framing it. Basically, it's not, like it can be very common for us to kind of take this approach of like, well, they're coming to me and they're paying me for mm-hmm. this thing. And the kind of the person he was taking more is it's almost like, no, you're like collaborating with your clients. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay you know, we're working together to make this thing. Okay, well, what are you bringing to this? And what am I bringing this to make this happen? Okay, well, I'm bringing the resources and I'm bringing the creative stuff. Well, this costs money. Well, you're providing the money to bring this in the middle for Mm -hmm. us to do this. But, you know, if say we needed to do it for less, okay, cool. Well, then maybe you go source the talent. And you bring that to the table instead of me going and finding those people Mm -hmm. and paying those people. And so it's like, at the end of the day, it's not like, well, I can't do it for that much money. It's just like, Hey, how do we both make this thing in the middle kind of like happen? Yeah. And I think that, you know, like 
the more that you're excited about a project and it really just connects with you on like your own set of interests, like the more willing you're going to be to work with people on, on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's absolutely clients who come and can't afford me. And I'm just like, here's some names, <laughs> you know, like here's some other people to check out. Sorry. You know, cause I know that like what they want is not something I'm particularly interested in doing. Um, so it's not worth it to me to to give them what they want for the amount of money that they have. And that's fine. Right. Like you don't have to feel like an asshole about it. It's like, it's not, yeah, it's kind of what I, I've talked about this a lot on the show before, but what I kind of look for is, uh, win, win, win situations. Yeah. And it sounds like you're kind of the same way where it's just like, well, it's not a win for me, so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned pricing and how I'm glad that you talked about, you said that you're like very open. Yeah, totally. I would love to, Learn about that. How do you price awesome. stuff? What do you, how do you get to the dollar amounts that you charge? So I had a really interesting, I am sure you're familiar with Rocky Garza. Yep. Um, so coming on pretty soon. Oh, nice. Uh, hey, Rocky. Um, so he and I, when he was first starting his um, kind of business coaching stuff, which I think it's evolved since then. Um, but when he was kind of first starting that, uh, and getting out of wedding photography, uh, I like sat down with him and was like, okay, like I want I think I was maybe three or four years into business. And I, had, so we kind of jumped over my like wedding photography, how I, that started in with the, um, family photo stuff, but I started shooting weddings with a partner in 2014. Um, and so she and I had, photographed weddings together kind of on the side of having our own like family portrait businesses. And so we like sat down with Rocky and he basically like, he was a super open book and basically told us like everything that he and Sarah did from like showing us like their emails that they would send clients to like all throughout the process to pricing structure and how they delivered files and how they sold prints and like all of this stuff. And it was just like this wealth of information Um, and so since we had done this sort of initial sit down, he had this retreat for people who had already gone through the program with him, like maybe a year later as sort of a, like, if you want to follow up and talk about where you are, all that, like you can come to this. And so, and actually that's where I met Eric that you also interviewed Eric Bowman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was there at this one. Um, but, uh, so at that point, my business partner had ended up taking a full-time job. Um, and so I was now doing weddings solo. And so it was this sort of like big transition year of like, oh man, like now I'm doing this on my own and like, what do I really want to do it on my own? And like, what, do, what do I need to do in terms of pricing? Cause we had figured out all of our stuff as, you know, two people splitting, uh, money instead of it being like a single person. And, um, so that retreat. I just remember there was like one moment where Rocky was like, well, how much do you want to make like for the year? And I realized that I had never asked myself that question since I had started photography. It was always just like, okay, this amount seems like people will pay it and it's not too low and it's not too high. And I'll just try to book as much as I can. And whatever money I make is what I make. And him asking me that question of like, well, what's your goal for how much you want to make for the year? was the first time that I ever even thought about like setting something like that rather than just like hoping that I made as much as I could. 
And so when he asked me that, this was like beginning of 2017, I think. So it's been almost three years. It was like this light went off where I was like, oh, I can actually, like if I have an end goal, I can do the math and divide out like how many sessions I need to book at a certain price, how many weddings I need to book at a certain price. So then I can go into a year and be like, okay, my goal is to have 15 weddings at this dollar amount and 60 family sessions for the year at this dollar amount. And if I can book all of that, then I'll hit this goal. Um, And so that really like transformed how I plan for the year and how I think about my pricing. And so like I did basically like did all this math to figure out like, okay, like I know that last year I booked X number of sessions at this price. So if I, if that amount of sessions feels good, then, and I might end like income goal for the year is this, then all I have to do is divide that end income goal by the number of sessions I can book. And then that number is how much I should charge. Um, and then if that number seems like crazy high, cause I haven't booked enough sessions, then maybe I need to think about charging more or adjusting how many sessions I book, or maybe like finding another avenue for income, um, that's outside of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah. um, so then I kind of like, I think 2017 was the first year that I really sort of had like these hard numbers planned of like, okay this is my goal for how many sessions I'm booking. This is my goal for how many weddings I'm booking. And this is the money I'm going to make. And then after, and that year I also started working with a bookkeeper because my business partner had left and she had always taken care of the wedding books. That was like part of her division of labor. And once she left, I was like, oh no, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> no. So um, thankfully, uh, shout out to Tammy Shugart, um, who's amazing. She is uh, my bookkeeper and she gives me spreadsheets for every month where my money comes from. So from family sessions, from weddings, from print sales um, and any other kind of portrait shoot so that I can now, like at the end of every year, I get my annual breakdown of everything. So I can look and see, all right, how much money came in from portrait sessions, how much money came from weddings um, and figure out like I'll sit down and I'll look at how many I booked for the last year and then how much money I made from each type of, of uh, session. And I will kind of look at the seasons and think through, like, did I feel burnt out? Did I feel like I could handle more? Did I feel like I, you know, overbooked myself and just needed to, like, chill out? So, like, I want to say, I think 2017 was the year that I, I shot like so much and I was so tired and I was like ready to quit. I was like, this is stupid, you know? Cause like through all this, like I still have my kids and I'm still like picking them up from school at three o'clock. And so like my work day is like hard stop done at 3 PM. And then I'm like kid marathon until 8 PM and then, you know, finishing up work. And so 2017 was just, crazy. And after that, I was like, all right, I have to look at these numbers and I have to figure out like what actually feels doable for balancing my life and the amount of work that I'm doing. And so I just like spent a week probably like doing a lot of math and figuring out 
how I could make adjustments in my pricing and what was included in stuff and so that I could book less sessions without sacrificing my total income. Because 2017 was like my most profitable year to that point. I didn't want to make less money, but I also was like, dang, like this is- I need to breathe. Not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just kind of like figuring those numbers out and like having goals. And so I kind of got for 2018, I went into the year, I was like, okay, I just want to see if I can make more money and shoot less. Like it wasn't even just like, I want to make the same amount of money as I did in 2017 and shoot less. I want to make more money in 2018 and shoot less. And I did by a significant amount. Like I made 20,000 more dollars in 2018 than I did in 2017. And I shot like probably like 75% of what I had shot in 2018 or 2017. Um, And so that I think was just like this again, like just this sort of like light bulb going off for me of like, oh, like this is just math. Like you can figure out how to do this. Like if I have this sort of like goals on paper that then I'm like, okay, I know I need to book you know, however many sessions for this year. And I know that like the previous year I had no problem booking that many and I have them at this price. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make what I need. And it's no longer this like terrifying going into the year. Like, am I going to make any money this year? I don't know. You know, it's all freelancers have like those windows of time yeah. where you're super slow. And, yeah. but I think like the nice thing with family photography and weddings is that like, it's very seasonal, like, it's very predictable. If you look at patterns, if you've done it for enough years, like you can see when things are really dead. Every photographer, every like family wedding photographer will tell you like January and July, they're like, am I going to make any money? I don't know. Like, cause it's just so dead. Like you're not shooting a lot. Inquiries are not necessarily coming in strong. Like it's just this sort of like dead time of year and it can feel really scary if you're looking only at what's happening right in front of you. But if you sort of have this like understanding of the pattern of your year, like looking back at what's happened years before and, you know, knowing like, oh, I booked, you know, 10 sessions in April last year, like, and the year before and the year before that. Oh, like I'd be fine. Like probably going to book. Yeah. 10 sessions in April yeah. or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like it'll come. And I think that's like, you know, now I'm coming up on, what is it like eight years of doing this? And like, there's not been a year yet where I have like not made it work, you know, <laughs> like there's definitely, I think this year, like 2019, I'm probably poised to make a little less than I did last year. And that has like, played with my head a little bit. I'm like, oh, like you thought you were hot stuff last year. This year's not not as good. But then, you know, also having conversations with friends who have been doing things even longer too. It's like, well, some years like this might be a little bit of a down year. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you suck. It doesn't mean that you should quit or like change your career. Um, but you know, I can go into 2020 and kind of like once I get my sort of end of year stuff from Tammy, then <laughs> I'll take a look at it and that's like how I spend my January is figuring that out. So it'll be all right. Do you, uh, do you see most of your business coming from new clients or repeat or what's the kind of the mix of that? Like, where is most um, of I mean, weddings are obviously new. Right, um, right. family sessions. I have 
probably a, at this point close to a hundred different families that have worked with me at least once. Um, and so I like, especially into like the fall season when, which is when a lot of annual clients come back, I will email everyone um, and let them know that I'm booking sessions for the fall and kind of get that schedule set. Um, but then I get new clients with newborns a lot. Um, and then those people, I would, I'm not good at percentages. There's a good chunk of the people who hire me for a newborn session who become annual clients. Right. Um, so then that builds on itself every year. And then like last year I had I like three or four wedding clients in 2018 that had babies in 2019. <laughs> so I had a lot of repeat clients from that this year, which was kind of funny. Um, usually people wait a few years, <laughs> but we had like just this little chunk that all had babies this yeah, year. Well, most people also don't have triplets. I know. I know. <laughs> yep. So what a- I did have, I did photograph newborn triplets this year though. Ooh. Yeah. I had a friend of a friend who was like, oh my God, my friend just found out she's having triplets. Can she talk to you? I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so was she originally talking to you about photography or was it because Oh no, she was kids? talking to me about like triplets and like, cause she was pregnant and she was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, get ready. So yeah, it was more of a like here's, you know, like some things to expect or what our experience was, you know, just like prepare yourself. And, um, and then we ended up doing pictures. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you will email people like your list Mm kind of come into the fall, say, Hey, I'm booking for some fall sessions. Mm -hmm. Is there any other stuff that you do marketing wise? Um, or is it pretty like like self-sustaining? Is most I, of your business come to you? Or do you have any go get it? I would say like I don't advertise anywhere. Um, I don't pay for advertising anywhere. Um, I will say so like when it comes to weddings, I am not a high volume wedding photographer. Um, so I probably could do more and book more of that, but I actually don't want to book very many. Um, so and I'm actually hoping to kind of bring that number like down um over the next couple of years so i just increase my prices for weddings for this year because i'm hoping to only book a few and i'll just you know book the ones that want to pay a lot of money um uh, with families it definitely it's a lot more word of mouth it's a lot more like people saw the pictures that somebody you know posted to their facebook or instagram or whatever and tagged me and i like i do make a point of asking all my clients to tag me whenever they share it their images online um, and just tell them straight up, like, this is how my business keeps going. So when you tag me and your friends see it, then they come to me. So I really appreciate you doing that. Um, So they're really great about that. And I've got a couple of friends that are like, man, I need to like take them out for dinners like so often because they're just really great about telling other people about me and, um, and kind of building up business. Like one of my friends that I graduated from college with, ended up working at a design studio and she told like everyone she worked there, like anytime someone had a baby or anytime somebody like got married, whatever, like told them about me. And so I shoot family photos for almost all of the people that work at this one studio in town. (laughs) So that's kind of fun. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Um, So yeah, mainly word of mouth for, for that kind of stuff. And then because I have like ties in the design world here, then when, people I know who are designers like need headshots or need like lifestyle branding photos that kind of fit the style that I do 
then I'm on their radar for that too. And occasionally, like if I've had a lull or I'm a little like I'm in that January, July, like stressing out about not having enough work, I might shoot an email out directly to people that I know and just be like, hey, I just want to see if you have any projects coming up that I'm a good fit for. Like I've got openings, you know, January, February, March. So if you've got anything coming up, like keep me in mind. Um, Just, you know, like staying on people's Mm -hmm. minds and all that. Yeah. Is it something that you, with those, like the agencies or different people that you'll reach out to like that, is it something that you try to like maintain relationships and check in with them every once in a while? Oh, yeah. Or how For do sure. you, yeah. is well, it like and I every think month like, or every like six months or how do you personally do I that don't, kind of stuff? I'm not that type A, so okay. <laughs> I don't okay. have like a schedule necessarily, but you know, like for that one studio in particular, like if they have a social event, and which they'll invite me to because like I'm on their email list. Like I'll make sure I go and say hi to everybody. And then, you know, I'm just, I think just being around and being on people's radar and, um, you know, I think posting online regularly and interacting with people online regularly that you actually know, like, I think that just keeps you top of mind with people. So like, I don't, I don't necessarily get a ton. I do get some business from just like people saw my work on Instagram and liked my work. And so they, contacted me to book a session but I feel like maintaining relationships with people that I'm not going to see day to day by commenting on a photo that they've posted of their kid like and just you know having that sort of like showing like hey I'm thinking of you also here's my name (laughs) like you're remembering that like I'm here and you're going to think about me like if I've interacted with you regularly over the course of the last year, then when it comes time to book your family photos, even if you met some other photographer, like you've been keeping up a relationship with me in between and you like me as a person. And so you're going to be more loyal to like coming back to me versus Mm -hmm. like hiring someone else that you just met. Yeah. It's a little bit of taking a risk on something that they haven't done before versus like tried and true, like, oh, this worked last time. Well, and like, you know, a lot of the times with my family clients, since it is something that they want to do annually, there is that like comfort factor that is a big deal. And like, I would say the vast majority of guys that are in family photos don't want to be there and are doing it because it's important to their wife. And um, I think for, for them to be comfortable with me and like, that's like one of the biggest like praises I've gotten back is that, like the dads actually had a good time and I made it easy and fun and you know that. And so there's, there is that sense of like, well, they don't want to go like to someone else that they don't know and have to like reestablish that with someone else. Like they know that it's going to be a certain way with me and they're cool with it. And they'll like, you know, come for their half hour or their hour and then like not have to do it again for another year. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned that you will ask them to like share stuff or like tag you Mm -hmm. whenever you post photos on social. Do you ever hand out, like give separate digital files that have watermarks on the corners or anything like that? Have like your branding that like- I'm not into that. Okay. No. I I used to kind of like, I have such mixed feelings on it because like one thing that I used to do a little bit whenever I was doing like portraits or that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff more is I would deliver full like- Here's regular, here's regular photos with nothing. Here are ones that have my logo down the corner. If you post on social, it would be really rad if you use the one that has my branding on it. Yeah. I mean, I get that. And I think it's just like from like, I don't know, you know, everyone has their own little like things they're particular about. Like I I hated seeing watermarks on stuff. 
So I'm just like, you know what? Like tag me in the photo. Like it'll look better if there's not a watermark on yeah. it. And yeah, I think now like things work differently. Cause I think when I got started, like you couldn't tag someone on it's Facebook, true. you know, and like Instagram, like was barely a thing at that point. I don't think people were even sharing like real photos on Instagram. It was all like crappy iPhone photos. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the photos on iPhone were crappy in 2012. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I don't know. Okay. Uh, what about as far as like contracts and stuff like that? Do you mm-hmm. offer contracts or do that with your clients? I do contracts for weddings for sure. Um, and those are pretty, like those were written by an attorney and are pretty like particular. Um, for family sessions, I don't. There's definitely people who would say that you should. I don't want to give any like bad advice out there. I've just... I think like part of it for me, it's like this internal struggle of like a lot of these people are my friends. Like there are people I actually know. Um, And so it feels like overly formal to sign a contract, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think I honestly just haven't thought about it in so many years. Like when I was first starting, I remember like thinking, well, should I do that? Should I not? And wondering. Um, But I honestly, it's been Eight years, I've never had a problem. Yeah. I mean, like, what's the, I guess when I think about it, it's like, what's the worst thing that would happen in right. a situation I have to with refund family? somebody their money, which is, you know, Small like, sucks, but to... is, yeah, no one's taking me to court over $800, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about, like, with the wedding stuff, you mentioned that you had an attorney draft that mm-hmm. up, so did you hire somebody to work specifically with, like, hey, here's. I was fortunate enough to work with a partner whose sister was a lawyer, uh-huh. so we. Got a little little family deal on that one. So I just okay. kept the same verbiage when I went on my own, just changed it to my own name instead of our business name. What was the process like whenever you originally worked on drafting that first contract with your partner? Was there stuff, were you like working with the attorney to kind of figure out what stuff you needed in there and coverage she for or whatnot? She actually had it already when we joined because she had done weddings on her okay. own before. So yeah, I didn't really experience that process. We did a little discussion about, you know, what, if we need to change anything with the two of us, but there's not really, I mean, I could tell you what we include in it. Yeah. Have yeah. You, yeah. I'd love that. And then if also if like, have you made changes over the years or anything like stuff? Um, come up? Because I haven't paid a lawyer to look at, I haven't made major changes mm. because then it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to do too much. You're like, to I'm like, cool with it the way it is. It, yeah. I know it's solid. Right. Um, but like, so for weddings, like one of the things that I'm trying to think, I mean, the main thing is like, the the actually there have been several times where I have had to refer to the contract that someone signed when a wedding was canceled, um, and it's really standard for wedding photographers to have a non refundable deposit. Um, and this was something actually that my former business partner said that her sister told her um, that would be helpful, I guess, to anyone who's who's doing a similar thing. If if you have in writing that you're you know getting a deposit from someone for their wedding, if you use the word retainer, that that has some kind of legal implication for making sure that it's not refundable. Um, so we were always just real careful in our emails to be like, the retainer that you owe to book oh, the wedding got you. is so. this rather than using the word deposit. I don't know like what mm. law is impacting that or if that's still the same, but that was just something that she was always like, my sister told me just be really careful in using that would make sense. That would deposit. make sense because a deposit, I think, I feel like it's typically like, well, this is going towards the thing, but if we don't end up 
buying the thing or right. whatever, then why then, wouldn't like, we get our get deposit back? Right. back? Whereas a retainer is like, no, for me to book the time, this yeah. is what it costs. And, and right. if you go through with it, we'll yeah. Which deduct is, that yeah, from basically the how the cost. contract works. Yeah. So, so we were, that was like kind of the one thing that was like, be really careful about that verbiage. Um, but yeah, so I've had probably like three or four times where a wedding's been called off after the retainer's been paid and they come back and they're like, Hey, the wedding's called off, but can we get our deposit back? And like the verbiage in the contract is actually that if the wedding is called off, that the remaining balance is actually due in full. Um, like that's the verbiage in the contract. People, you know, read it. Sign it. I've never made anyone pay me the rest of the money, but I've also kept the retainer. Um, and so basically when someone emails me and is like, can I get the money back? I'll politely say like, you know, this was what was in our contract. The state was reserved for you. And now, you know, most of the time it's like not anywhere, you know, near enough time to like book someone else. And, you know, with weddings, like who knows if someone else is going to come and yeah. ask for that same date exactly. How, but How close, like with the ones that you've had that have canceled, mm -hmm. how far out was it from the wedding? The longest one was like six months, but it was... It was a bit of a shady thing where like I didn't, I had not met the people in person and they were telling me that like their venue closed on them. And so they were having to like change all of their stuff. And so I had offered, this was all over email. I had offered to, you know, Hey, if you book another venue to let me know the date, these are the dates I have free for like the rest of the year after, you know, your original date, like I'll just move it if I have it free and like, you already know that, you know, if I'm telling you when I'm booked, like you could avoid those dates and like look at ones, right. whatever. And they were just like, no, like we're just, we're just like, everything's crazy now. We're just like not going to do anything for now. And like, it was just kind of weird. And so I, cause I was like, I'm being pretty nice, like offering to just move it for you. Um, she was like, we just need the money back. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. Like it's not refundable as the contract said um and she like continued to email me and ask like well did you book another wedding for that date because if you did then could we get our money back and then she had the supposed like former venue owner call me to try to talk me into giving the money back and I was like why would you do that like to the other like business owner I was like why would why would you do that why would you agree to call a different vendor and ask for money back on behalf of the client. Like, she's like, well, I feel responsible. I'm like, well, then you pay her. Like, I was, yeah, yeah. You're the one closing <laughs> yeah. your doors. Right. Which just, it all just felt real shady of like, I don't actually know if there ever was a wedding. I don't know if that was the actual venue owner. Cause it was just all over the phone it's and email. Weird. And that's why you have those contracts because like people will try to scam you, especially with weddings. Like you get scam emails all the time really? and they're real obvious. Yeah. Some of them are real obvious. This one was like, it could go either way and I'm not willing to like be that nice and just give you back that much money. Sorry. Um, so that was like the most complicated one where I felt like I'm so glad that I have this contract so that I can, cause basically she bugged me enough that I reminded her after that, like, Hey, actually the contract says you owe me all of the money, but I'm just being nice and not charging you for the remaining balance. So 
you can leave me alone. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what about with the other ones? Like, are they, are they, they a little were, bit closer in? Yeah, they were closer in. And so then it was like, you know, like, I really feel for you. Like, I'm sorry that this happened and hope that it's for the best for everyone. Um, but, you know, as your contract said, this amount's non-refundable. Um, so I'm sorry, you know, like, it's just, it's uncomfortable, but yeah. it's one of those things like you can't, you can't just like let, I don't know, like. You got to have some boundaries yeah, and be hard line with yeah, some of that stuff. Especially because right. if, I mean, like if some of them I could imagine there being situations where it's like a week or two out and like, yeah. oh, hey, we're not doing this. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah and it's everybody like, oh, that's having a wedding that's I've, going to pay this has yeah, already booked their photographer six exactly, months ago. Exactly, totally. And it's like, I've been even like two months out, like that's the case, three months out, that's the case. Yeah. Like people book weddings far in advance. Um and, you know, you are counting on that income. Like when you're a freelancer, like you don't work a job. It's not like you get a check anyway. Like you only <laughs> get a check for the jobs you do. So like my kids still got to eat. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't sign a contract if you're not willing to <laughs> follow up with it. Like that's what, all I can say. What, uh, what are the kind of stuff do you have? in your like wedding contracts Um, the other stuff is basically like you know if i think that it has like a stipulation like uh things are refundable if there's like a natural disaster that keeps you from having the wedding or something you know things like out of control um there's stuff in there about like uh man what is it clients get um like the edited files, they don't get the raw files of uh, their images um, that I retain copyright, which is another one that has come up a couple times. There's sometimes where people, for some reason, I think they just get confused on like print releases and like what their permissions are with files. And so I've had a couple of times people ask me like, well, I get the copyright because it's a picture of me. I'm like, well, actually I'm the person who made the photo. So I have the copyright, but I am like, this contract gives you permission to use it for yourself. Um, so there's, there's some times where people have been a little uncomfortable with like, well, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not plastering you all over the internet. There's like maybe a couple hundred people that look at my website that might see a picture of you and have no idea who you are. So yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. probably fine. But I do know, like I have a friend who shot really lux- high end luxury weddings and was published in Martha Stewart and stuff frequently. And she had some like celebrity clients who were, you know, like we retain copyright. And at that point, like they're paying you so much money that you're like, okay, fine. But <laughs> you know, for, for other things, then it's like, well, no. Um, so, and then I think I do have a stipulation there also that I get to be fed um, and I get time to sit down and eat uh, during the wedding. And I know some wedding photographers that don't do that. They will not eat a meal for eight hours or more. Uh, and we'll just have like power bars in their bag mm-hmm. that they eat and we'll just shoot like straight the whole time. And um, I don't do that. I need to sit down for at least like 15 minutes. Yeah. And those are busy days. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like the, the day after wedding hangover. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Like you just feel like you've been hit by a truck. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Especially if you're doing it in like, or if you're doing it outside in Texas, like the, 
Summer yeah, summertime. Falls. Oh, summer. Yeah, and like, like through October, it's so hot. Yeah. What are you yeah. people thinking? October's the worst because people think it's going to be nice. So they book it all outside, but then it's still a hundred degrees, and so you're like crazy. But no, like there's some venues that are more spread out, so you do a lot more walking, and then some that have like concrete floors are the worst. Like those, I feel a mm, lot more. Yeah. Uh, if they have wood floors, that's nice. If it's outside, actually, that's a little better um, in terms of the feet because you have like a softer ground i've learned all these things over ever, the years <laughs> have you ever thought about putting anything in that's like a if the venue if requires x amount of walking i'll get a golf cart <laughs> or like some sort of like That'd i need funny. a cart to drive myself around because yeah, sometimes it is tough like oh shit yeah. i need to go back and charge this battery and it's way across the field yeah. and i can't just like run across the field all the right. time or whatever it is yeah no, I have not thought to charge for, for the golf cart usage, but maybe I'll take a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I'm a photographer, but I, I'm yeah. a, I have my own writer. I'm going to need a few things here. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming on. I think this has been really great. Um, kind of wrapping up, is there anything that comes to mind that you feel like we ought to have talked about that I haven't hit on? You know, one thing I was thinking of, one thing about coming on here was just how... Um, I have like just kind of every few years, like I have this sort of self-evaluation and like assessing the amount of work I want to be doing, the kind of work I want to be doing, the, you know, creatively and, and then just, you know, what my time is going to. And so I think like just in general for freelancers to feel comfortable with evolving your business and making changes to suit your lifestyle. So like I'm, for this next year, like I'm looking at going back to school for an MFA, just like in studio art, because um, I'm kind of at a point where creatively, like I'm not feeling super challenged with what I'm doing for work. Um, and and there's some things I want to explore that are sort of outside what my clients might want or need. Um, so rather than looking to try to make that happen through like what my clients are paying me for, like trying to do that sort of as my own pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's going to kind of necessitate some changes to how much I'm booking and my income and all of that. And so it's been this sort of like scary, like, oh, like going to be changing and like not sure what that's going to mean for income, but also like just feeling okay to like take a risk and, and, you know, feeling like I'm not failing at something just because I'm changing a bit and and what I want to focus on and what I want to do. Um, I think it can be like, especially with weddings and, and even like with family photographers, there is this sort of sense of like, cause everybody follows other people that do what you do, you know, like on social media and you feel like, Oh my gosh, like they already booked this many weddings for next year. They already, you know, like they're, they seem so much more successful than I am because like, I'm not booking as much or I'm not getting as many like, really cool destination weddings or whatever, or somebody else. Like, I think that there's like a danger of not really thinking about what you want for yourself um, and how you want to spend your time and what, <clears throat> excuse me, what you, um, what you want your life to look like if you're just chasing after like booking as much as you can. Um, and that's something that like, I kind of realized I was doing that to myself. Like I was stressing myself out over, the quant the quality quantity of what I was booking and using that as like a measure of success. And that was kind of also part of that like 
period of looking at like, oh, like what do I want to make for the year? And how much do I need to book to like get to that amount? Oh, like I don't have to just book like the most that I possibly can. I can actually like be comfortable with booking fewer things and having more time. And that feels successful versus just being like booked up all the time. Um, And I think like having that shift in my mindset has really helped me to have the time to think about like, do I want to keep doing things exactly this way the next five years for the next 10 years? Like, what do I see myself doing? And that's kind of opened up like, oh, actually, maybe I want to like shift a little bit and go into this sort of more like fine art sphere. And what do I need to do to make that happen? Um, How can I manage what I'm booking and what I'm making to give myself the time and the freedom to do that? Um, And so it's been like, I'm still like, even just this morning, like struggling with like, it's going to be okay to make less money. It's going to be okay to book less clients. Like you're not, you're not giving up on something. You're not failing. You're just like making those choices for yourself Mm -hmm. and ultimately changing your like metrics of success. Yes. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately like nobody else is counting how many things I'm booking or, you know, like knows like how much is in my bank account. Like I know what I need and I know how I want to spend my time and what I want to do. And so like, I just got to like go after that and not worry about like what other people are doing. Yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. It's been really cool to hear. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Where can people find you and your work online? So my name is my website, just christinachildress.com. And Instagram is just christinachildressphoto. And that's pretty much it. it. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks, you listeners, for tuning in, as always. I hope that this interview is long. Um, I hope that this interview, as well as the others, are helpful for you. And that you learn a little bit or a lot, just that you have some takeaway. Um, And if you have, I would appreciate it if you leave me a rating and a review to kind of let me know how it's doing for you. And if there's anything that I can do that would be more helpful for you, because really this podcast is for you, the listeners. And uh, the goal is to provide you with great content to learn and to be inspired and educated by and to feel not quite so alone in your freelance journey. Thanks so much. We'll be with you next time. Freelance Freddy is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy, big production value, freelance agility and scale. 